For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, as we do each week, we offer this time to you. We ask you to be here with us, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if you're having the thought now that I have on occasion when I um, sit down to prepare a sermon on a very familiar piece of scripture. Are you thinking, is he possibly going to say anything about the parable of the prodigal son that I haven't heard before? Is there possibly anything new to say? Do we really have to read this once a year and hear again about, you know, the the story? Is there anything new to be found in this scripture? What new is there to say? I have this thought often, um, but I'm always, immediately after having that thought, I think of the hymn, old hymn, you've probably heard it, a hymn called The Old, Old Story. The tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply as to a little child, for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. So I'm hesitant to tell you new stories. I want to remain in the old, old story. It's old because it's good. It's old because it's a classic. It's profound. But I did once read this story, this parable of the prodigal son, and I was chatting with a preacher friend of mine about it. Um, That sounds pretentious. I promise it's not a preacher friend of mine. Um, Just a normal guy. Um, And we were talking about, you know, what is there to say that hasn't been said? And he encouraged me to read it again and sort of see if I could find something new. And I didn't want to because, like I said, I didn't necessarily want to find something new. I just wanted a new way to, to tell the old, old story. But I did read it again, and I did see something new. Unfortunately, it was something that I didn't like. And we... We often, um, we often get excited when we either see a movie that we've seen often or read our favorite novel again or, or listen to a favorite album and sort of hear a little thing that we had never heard before. And it's exciting. We think, oh my gosh, this thing that I've loved so well now has a new facet that I love even more. That's not what happened to me when I read the story of the prodigal son. I saw something in there that I wish I hadn't seen, wished wished I could forget. Um, so we're all familiar with the story, right? We, we have two sons, a younger and an older, and the younger son asks his father for his share of the inheritance. He basically asks the father to act as though he were dead and give up his money in advance of his actual death. And so he does. He, he splits his inheritance between his sons, and a few days later, we read that the younger son went out and um, it says, 
What's the phrase? It's a, a beautiful phrase here. It says that he squandered his property in dissolute living. That's the G-rated version. Uh, later on, the elder son gives us the R-rated version when he says that he, he, he ruined all your property with prostitutes. But let's stay with dissolute living. So if anybody asks you how your week was, just say that you spent it in dissolute living. They'll probably think that, that, that that's a good thing. So then he, he uses up all his money, and then a famine hits the land. And he, he finds himself, it says, in need. And he hires himself out as a sort of farmhand feeding pigs. And all of a sudden, he realizes where he's come to. Uh, the scripture says that he came to himself. His, his eyes were opened to the reality of his situation. And he realized that he desperately wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. As he was filling the trough for the pigs, he found himself thinking, Gosh, I wish I could even have that. He had so little that he even wanted to eat what he was feeding the pigs. And he then all of a sudden realized that the servants back at his father's house had plenty of food to spare. Here he was on his own, dying of hunger. And the servants back at his father's house have food to spare. So he makes this decision. He's going to go home. And he's going to tell his father that he has sinned before heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your servants. And then we get this beautiful image of the prodigal son as he nears his home. His father sees him in the distance. His father has been waiting, scanning the horizon waiting to see that sort of shadow of a little something break over the ridge. And he, he runs to his son, embraces him, gives him the best robe, a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and they have a big party. And I've read that story 50,000 times. And I read it again. This is a few times ago now. And all of a sudden, this thing jumped out at me that I didn't like. The father doesn't go looking for his son. This is sort of a hallmark of my theology. If you've been listening to my sermons week by week, you'll know that it's a little bit of a problem for me that in this story, the father is just waiting for his son to come home. This isn't quite how I'd like this story to go. Because it sort of puts the onus on the son. Sure, he's always welcome back. But he's got to be the one to come home. The father is there. The father is ready. The father is waiting. But the son has got to come home. And this was a problem for me. I now all of a sudden didn't know how to preach on this passage. If we say, as we do, that our salvation is not by our works, but by the grace of God through faith alone, 
what does this story have to do with that? Am I going to stand up here on a Sunday morning and tell you that God is waiting? He's ready for you to come to Him. He's going to embrace you. But you've got to go first. You've got to realize that you're far away from Him and you've got to turn around and go home. That's not good news. That's bad news. Is the could it be that the story of the prodigal son for all these years has been bad news for sinners? It can't be. It literally can't be. But it does jibe with how we naturally think of our Christian lives, right? When we feel far away from God, we assume it's because of the decisions we've made. Like the younger son, we've gone off on our own. We've decided to fly solo, and left God at home. And when we decide to go back to God, He's always ready and willing to take us, but it's up to us to get back. This is how we think. This is how we think religion works, and the parable of the prodigal son seems to lend credence to that idea. But I am convinced that that is bad news And then I did a little more reading. Praise God. That's always the answer, right? Read a little more. If you're you're ever wondering uh, how to get over a problem, just sort of keep reading. If you'll notice, if you look in your leaflet this morning at our reading from Luke, if you look at the header there, you'll see that it says Luke chapter 15, 1 through 3, comma, 11b through 32. We've skipped some verses there. We've gone from the beginning of Luke 15, and then we've jumped ahead to verse 11. And I'm going to read to you now the part that we skipped. This is not anything that we skipped because I wanted to skip it. This is the assigned reading this morning. We're, we're following all the rules, I promise. But listen to what Luke 15 really says. It begins the same way. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Won't he leave the ninety-nine and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Also, Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. Jesus has already made the point that God will go to the ends of the earth to find you. You are the lost sheep. You are the lost God is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to search the hillside for the one. God goes on the search. 
You are the lost coin. And God is the woman who sweeps the entire house and searches carefully until she finds it. God goes on a search of every deep, dark corner until he finds you. And when he finds you, he has a party. So the point about God's activity, the action of God, is made in these first two parables that Jesus tells before he ever gets to the third parable, the one about the prodigal son. He's made the point about what God does. God searches. God finds. God celebrates. Now, in our third parable, the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus is going to make a point about what we do, right? He, he, he told two stories about what God does. God searches us out when we are lost. Now he's going to tell a story about what we do. We get lost, right? In the first story, we're a sheep, right? We're certainly sort of technically a sentient being, but pretty dumb, right? Sheep wanders off sort of wherever. God drops everything to find it. The second story, we're a coin, right? Not active in any way. Like we're in the corner because somebody accidentally dropped us there. We rolled there. We didn't run away. We're just there, and God drops everything to find us. So the first two stories are about God's activity, what God does. Now he's telling a story about what we do. And we run away. We ask our father for our share of the inheritance before our father's even dead. We go and squander it on dissolute living. This is what we do. The prodigal son is not about what God does. The prodigal son is about what we do. And it's interesting to note that the prodigal son doesn't really even necessarily have much of a change of heart. He's just really hungry. Right? He's, he says, gosh, I would eat what the pigs are eating and the servants in my father's house have food to spare. I'm going home. He doesn't say, I really wronged my father. I want to go make that right. He says, I'm hungry. The son goes home to get a good meal, not necessarily to make amends or to change his ways. He does, however, repent. If you look at our psalm that was appointed for this morning, Psalm 32, there's a couple verses that sort of walk us through this same story really well. In the fourth verse of Psalm 32, it says, and this is saying, the psalmist is saying this about God. He says, For your hand was heavy upon me day and night. Doesn't this sound like something a son might say about his father? Your hand was heavy upon me day and night. My moisture was dried up as in the heat of summer. I've got to get out of here. We even say this about our good fathers. That's why we go 3,000 miles away to college. 
Maybe you didn't do that, but that's what I did. Your hand was heavy upon me day and night. My moisture was dried up as in the heat of summer. The young son says, I have got to get out. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. The son says, I have sinned before heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. While he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. and Get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The parable of the prodigal son makes the point that there is no place that is too far gone. For God to celebrate your homecoming. On your knees, at the trough, eating what the pigs eat, is not too far. The prodigal son is not about what God does, because the two parables that we read, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, are about what God does. God will tear the world apart to find you, to get you back. To welcome you home. The prodigal son is about what we do, which is run away from him. But there is no place so far that he will not find us. And like that lost sheep, put us on his shoulders and carry us home and have a party. So as we go about our lives Often feeling far from God, like the prodigal son, feeling in need, feeling like no one gave him anything. Let us remember that God promises us these things. That he will leave those who don't need saving behind so that he can save us. That he will search and search and never stop until we are found. And that there is nowhere he won't go. Nowhere We can be that is too far. So let's stay always with the old, old story. Okay? Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption. God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often for I forget so soon the early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen.